You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Hey there, everybody. Well, it looks like summer is in full swing, which means that people are probably going on a lot of road trips. And whether you're taking just a day trip up the coast or going to the beach or making, uh, you know, just planning on a picnic or planning your own tropical getaway, no matter where you go or what your plans are, you're probably going to want to bring snacks. Even if you happen to end up at a magical time-bending island that exists outside of time and space and also happens to house monsters, like, you know, you're definitely going to want to have snacks in that scenario. So why not head on over to fredsbs.com? fredsbs.com is the best place for you to get all sorts of baked goods that are not found in stores. They've got brownies and blondies and jams and oh my gosh guys, all of them are so good. They're all original flavors and if you happen to be an LA local, you can actually waive that delivery fee and go pick your order up for free. So guys, what are you waiting for? Go treat yourself to some Fred's BS. That's Breads and Spreads by Fred. FredsVS.com. Go now, use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off your order. Trust me, they are delicious and they are the perfect way to treat yourself this summer. And if you guys are interested in No Love Lost merchandise, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and head on over to the store section because we are selling No Love Lost t-shirts as well as t-shirts for Crazy About Kurt. For those of you who happen to be fans of Will Link's work, Um, So guys, yeah, thank you to everybody who's gone to fredsvs.com and to the Podcast Jukebox Network. Whenever you support our sponsors and the network directly, you are supporting us. So guys, it really means a lot to us. And if you can't support in that regard, we really appreciate you guys listening and spreading the word about our podcast. You know, we just, we love talking about this show, um, whether we, we love talking about how much we hate it or love talking about how much we love it, you know, that depends on the person, but we love getting to spend this time with you. So thank you guys so, so much for everything. Hope you're having a great summer so far. And on that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears there was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something supposedly but even though there are times we hang our heads in sadness we know there's no love lost we had to go back. Did we, though? Did we? I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean. <laughs> this is basically part two of the pilot, if you think about it. This is part. We went real back. We, we went way, way far back. We went 48 days back. Welcome back <laughs> to No Love Lost, a podcast where we break down lost from start to finish and see if we break down in the process <laughs> I'm, I'm holding strong i'm loving it i'm no love lost loving <laughs> there's it. there's no love lost here is what will should say uh i'm will link with me as always megan salinas hey everybody 
and we are breaking down Season 2, Episode 7, The Other 48 Days. Bum, bum, bum. It is written by Lindelof and Coos. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, directed by Eric Lan- Lanuville. 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 <laughs> Probably. When you gotta <laughs> put direct 80, 48 days of footage, you bring in Lanuville. You know what? I don't really have a joke to make because I really liked this episode. This was really great. This is the first episode of Lost. And this is one of the reasons why it really stood out. That it, it's the first episode that bucks the traditional Lost narrative. And later, the Lost narrative will change completely <laughs> the structure. But this is the first That's one that had a... funny way of saying that they lose the plot, but yeah, sure. It's not that they lose the plot. <laughs> they try different things. They flash forward. They flash sideways. I'm just messing with you until we get to those points when it will become a very sincere comment. <laughs> um, but this is uh, the first time they did something like this. And I remember watching this, and after... You know, two seasons and six episodes, uh, one season and six episodes into a new one. It was very refreshing to get something that was a little different and wasn't afraid to be a little different. Yeah, no, this this was spectacular television back then, and I feel like it's spectacular television now. And it's, I don't know if it was this episode specifically, but I've developed a real fondness of stories that give you the other perspective. I think we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the season when we sort of had that semi-Rashomon situation where we were getting the same event from three different perspectives. Yes. Um, I think this episode of television really cemented that for me because there are lots of characters in TV and movies nowadays where I'll look at a side character and you can tell that they have an intricate backstory, but it's all left subtextual or it's all left unsaid. And I'll look at those characters and go, I want to know that story. Give me that movie. And I think this episode gives us exactly that. It gives us the context that we've been craving for these characters. And it's phenomenal. It does not disappoint in the slightest. Um, and, you know, the second it's been established that there are these other people, other survivors of Flight 815, it, you know, I can't remember what I was thinking at the time. I figured we'd learn more about them, but I guess probably I wasn't necessarily expecting we'd get to watch their story unfold let alone in one single episode yeah you figure maybe one or two flashback sequences you don't feel like we're gonna get an entire episode devoted to these people um but we do and this is this is really cool because it's not quite a prequel because you know there are a lot of prequels where uh, you know they can or can't necessarily they can feel unnecessary um because ultimately we know certain people are going to survive and certain people aren't. Um, and so I think that that can be, can be a disadvantage for an episode like this, where it's not quite a prequel, but it is giving us a group of characters where ultimately we know where they end up by the time this episode ends. And yet I don't feel like... Because you, you know of some prequels where... like. Again, you have no investment in what's happening because you're like, well, I know that this person lives, like, so who cares? Yeah. 
I never felt that way watching this episode. I knew that Goodwin was going to die. I knew that, you know, obviously Michelle Rodriguez and Mr. Echo were, were going to... We, yeah. And we know the group gets pared down. Exactly. Because there we, aren't that many people when, when our heroes meet up with them. Exactly. So we know a lot of the story beats already, but that doesn't take away from the drama of what's happening. If anything, the dramatic irony actually enhances it. And this, so this episode filling in the gaps, it doesn't fall short for me. Like, like I said, I know that that's sort of the danger with a lot of prequels, but it doesn't feel like that to me. I'm very, very satisfied by this episode. Um, this is also because of the nature of the way this episode's told. There's no flashbacks, other unless you count the entire episode, which I don't because I, I feel like we're very much in the present for these characters. What I, what I do like about sort of the change in structure, though, is that um, even in the, the original pilot, we get some immediate flashbacks on the plane or, you know, not and like throughout the course of season one, we find everybody getting to the airport. Um, all of that is left unsaid for this group of characters, leaving wiggle room for future flashbacks. Because, like, when the plane crashes, we are in it with all of them. Even though we ultimately know where they end up at the end of the last episode, we don't know anything about, you know, just like our group in season one, we don't know anything about who they are outside of this plane crash with the exception of bernard who is married to rose and that's literally all we have have, to work with um so i we should probably go ahead and just say in case this is what what for whatever reason your first episode of no love lost we're gonna spoil the entire series for you um I hope that's okay with you. <laughs> and if it's not, then what have you been doing listening to this podcast this whole time? Also, yeah, I'm kind of like, if you haven't seen Lost, I feel like you're probably not going to get on that anytime soon if you haven't seen it already. So, right, I feel warning. like, and you know what? If you're never going to watch it, then you don't mind hearing the spoilers. Exactly. Can I ask you sure. a question about spoilers? Because, God forbid, because this is going to be a very straightforward episode. Uh, so I was thinking it'd probably be a shorter episode. We've been going long. So God forbid I don't take us on a tangent right now that's going to make us go long. But it's about the nature of spoilers. Yes, go for it. Um, I have a friend who has never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. I'm not going to give Game of Thrones spoiler. But um, I've n- he's never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. And I was out with him and another friend of his and Mm -hmm. this was leading up to the finale and i happened to we were talking about because she watches it and i happened to say something about a a, there was a giant battle in the Mm -hmm. final season it ended very dramatically and i happened to mention something about who ended that battle and (laughs) he got mad at me and he goes he goes, spoiler. I said, first of all, the whole world has been talking about this thing. And then I'm like, secondly, you have never watched a single episode of the show. <laughs> Are you going to? And he said, well, I would like to one day. And now I know that this big thing happens. <laughs> and I said, one, I don't know how you've avoided spoilers on this thing this long in life. And two, I don't believe that you will ever watch <laughs> this show. What is my responsibility there? Was I like a dick for saying this? Like, because there's certain things, like, like, I feel like there's certain things 
in popular culture, like, that I can be out with people and I can openly make a joke about Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. <laughs> and people can't get mad Rose at me. Rosebud was the set. Because like, that was, like... Soylent Green is people. Yeah, like, know? that was in the 70s. If you don't know it by now and you're an adult, you probably... Like, anyone who was alive in 1999, I think I can give a sixth <laughs> sense spoiler to. So, what is... I'm just... I've been... Because I, I don't want to be a jerk. I... Ha- like, when I was younger, I used to be one of those people who would go to the end of the book to see, you know, how it ended before I finished it. You're a sick person. I, <laughs> this is when I was young. This is when I was a kid. Um, because what I ultimately liked doing in my head was seeing the last couple lines of the book and then trying to piece together how we were going to get there. Um, that's what I liked to do when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, like, I I remember when we were reading A Wrinkle in Time in class, um, pestering my friend Alex, who had already read the book. I kept pestering her as to, you know, asking her what it was and, until she finally caved and told me. Um, as, an, as I got older, I grew to not want to do that anymore because, you know, when you get older, you're relationship with storytelling changes and what I choose to do is you know instead of like jumping to the end (coughs) I like experiencing a story in the way that the storyteller intended it now that's not to say that I don't mind I don't mind spoilers for things as you said I'm never gonna watch and have no interest in um I don't mind spoilers. Like, there are plenty of movies where I've gone to Wikipedia and I've been like, okay, well, I'm not going to watch this movie, so I'll just read the summary. Um, and I'm fine with that. And it's going to vary from person to person. But the thing is, is that, like, you always have to check with that person. And this is, this. I will give you a great example. You know, did you ever watch that episode of The Simpsons where flashes back to Homer and Marge going on dates in the 70s? Oh, yeah, and it's like, I can't believe that Luke Luke's, Skywalker. Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. As they were walking out of the theater, walking I, past all the people I, in line. I'm always very, because of that, I'm always very, uh, <laughs> when I walk out of the movie theater, I'm always so Well, when I was a kid and, you know, episode one came out, spoiler alert for <laughs> Star Wars episode one, Um, Before I had gotten a chance to see the movie, I had heard that Darth Maul died, and I was intrigued by that. I was like, well, what happened? And a kid told me, oh, he gets sliced in half with a lightsaber, and I was like, what? That's crazy. (laughs) And we're on our way. Like, I remember being in the car. We're on our way to the theater. We're pulling up to the parking lot, and I, like, lean over to my parents, and I was like, hey, you know, we're getting ready to buy tickets to this movie. And I lean into my parents and I'm like, do you guys want me to tell you how Darth Maul dies? And my mom looked at me and she's like, I didn't know Darth Maul died. And I went, and that was, it was, it didn't occur to me until that moment that I'm like, oh, you need to check with people before you, you give away a secret like that. Well, now this scenario First of all, it was in the excitement of conversation with someone else who watches Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, it is a thing that I did assume everybody knew because, you know, it's on the front page of newspapers. 
<laughs> the New York Post puts this stuff on the front page. Like when there was a red wedding, it was like on the front page. When Tywin Lannister <laughs> died, it's like front page. Like so, so maybe I'm, but maybe I'm living in a, a bubble. But this person, <laughs> if this this person has not started watching it, has no plans to start watching, just might one day. And I feel like that. Like I, I, feel, I don't know because I maybe, maybe it's just I know this person's never going to watch it, and maybe I, that's what is driving me crazy. I feel like he's making a bigger deal out of it than it needs to be. However, my personal rule about it is that if you're going to talk about a story, whether that story is a book, or whether that story is a movie, or a television show, a miniseries, or a video game, it does not matter. You always check with the person that you're talking to before you start dropping spoilers. And the only reason I say that is because I've even been in situations where the friend I was talking to knew exactly where I was in like the book series or a television series, but because they were further ahead than me, like it would slip their mind and they would let a spoiler slip. And that's frustrating because it's like, you knew where I was at and you did it anyway. Wow. my 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 personal stance on it is that I it's not the end of the world if you get spoiled for something, but always be considerate. This is guy my philosophy. is never gonna. Okay, <laughs> we should get to this story. We should. But I'm just gonna say this guy is never going to watch Game of Thrones. He's still. When people start talking about Breaking Bad around him, he goes, oh, no, I'm, I'm still watching it. You know why he's still watching it? He's been on season two of Breaking Bad for five years. <laughs> like, at the, I mean. If it, like here, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I hate this guy. <laughs> um, the spoilers for season one of Game of Thrones. Um, when season one was on, I actually wasn't watching it at the time. Um, because, I don't know, I just had a lot going on and I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. A coworker of mine walked up to another coworker, and again, I knew nothing about Game of Thrones other than Sean Bean was in it, and that a kid got pushed out of a window in the first episode, and that there was incest in it. That was literally all I knew about the show. That's all you need to know, baby. So my coworker walks up to another coworker, and he he looks at her and goes, "There are no honorable men left," and. Even without any other context, like he didn't even say what show he was talking about, even just knowing, like knowing what I know about the both of them. And given that tiny bit of context, I walked away going, God damn it, Sean Bean is dead. Like, I'm going to watch Game of Thrones eventually. Why did I need to know that? And that's not necessarily his fault because he was trying to be vague. But I'm like, well, now I know Sean Bean is dead. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) So I would argue my situation is different. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you never know when something you say, even when you're trying to be vague, is going to give something away for someone else. I wasn't vague. <laughs> no, that's what I I'm was saying, blatant. though. He was even, but I'm just saying, he was even trying to be courteous to the people around him who hadn't necessarily gotten a chance to watch yet, and it was still too much information. So I'm just saying, be courteous. Check with people around you before you just start dropping spoilers. Well, speaking of spoilers, let's get into how all these, uh, everybody in the tail section who eventually dies, except for Bernard. Spoiler alert, they all die. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Except for Bernard. Okay, so the opening, okay, so let's get, 
the structure of this episode is they go by the days. So it starts day one. Oh, man. I will say this opening shot where it's just the shot of the beach. It's very serene. It's very serene. And then you hear the you hear this whirring noise. I will say that I don't think the CGI of the plane crash necessarily holds up. It's fine for TV. It's network TV like 15 years ago. Exactly. The CGI doesn't hold up, but you know what does? The sound design. Yes. The sound of that plane plummeting to the ground is a haunting. We've talked about the sound of the show a few times, and that's something on the rewatch that I'm really taking to heart more. Yeah. Listening to the sound of the show. There's even the kind of metallic grind you know as the camera pulls back from the the accident into the into the jungle um there's even that metallic weird noise that the smoke monster was known for making and i i don't know if that was intentional or if that was just debris you know shifting or or whatever from the crash but i could have sworn it was the the smoke monster metallic noise and i'm like oh this sound design in the show is so good um we see then, much like in the pilot, we see that there are passengers who are coming to the aid of other people. In particular, we're paying a lot of attention to Mr. Echo, who is dressed uh, nicer now. He's not like in his like shabby, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, jungle attire. And uh, Anna Lucia, and Anna Lucia is giving CPR to a child. Like it, there's a lot of par- what I would love to do. I think there's a compilation video on YouTube that I haven't sat down and watched yet, but it shows the uh, flight 815 crash in real time. Everybody's stories going concurrently at the same time when there's those overlapping. Oh, times. wow. I haven't watched it yet, but I would love to see the crash footage of this episode lined up with uh, the frenetic energy of like the the first episode because even though obviously this was not directed by J.J. Abrams I feel like the director for this episode was definitely taking a lot of visual cues from that first episode. And I don't see how there's any way you would make this episode and not have that in your your mind and not have that as your blueprint of we're going to follow what we did. We're going to try to mirror the pilot aesthetically it matches it pretty damn well and it's funny because watching this episode it brought me right back into why i love the pilot so much but let me ask you this aesthetically about it Mm -hmm. did you find that that the shaky cam was more egregious in this episode because i found the shaky cam to be shakier to be a little like at the beginning like and I get what they were trying to do. It was like a disorienting feel. But for some reason, I remember it being smoother in the pilot or maybe it was used more sparingly. I think what it is, I, I think I know what the difference is. I'm, I'm going to say it doesn't. It didn't bother me. Shaky cam certainly can bother me. And if it gives you a headache and it's not your thing, I totally understand. Because in a lot of cases, it's not my cup of tea either. Here, though... I actually didn't mind it. And the reason I didn't mind it is because I feel like, as you said, they were using it a little bit more sparing. I mean, they were pretty liberal with it in the pilot, but they used it a little bit more sparingly in the pilot because Jack isn't initially conscious on the beach. He wakes up 
in the middle of you know in the middle of the jungle first and has to come upon this he takes us into the chaos where this were more we're immediately in it because Ana Lucia doesn't have the luxury of like waking up oh I'm I'm in the woods now no she wakes up in the water and so those are two very different circumstances similar but very different because and not to diminish uh, you know Jack's sort of back situation because he was definitely bleeding but like not to diminish uh, anything but she's in immediate danger of drowning a couple of things that are interesting uh immediately uh we see that are kind of new to Anna Lucia's character well first of all we see just how resourceful she is at the start I mean we we get she's this tough leader and she's resourceful too but we see just how like in a pressure situation and also a thing that we see is she's good with kids yeah she's good with the kids she cares about the kids absolutely and i think this episode in general does a really good job of humanizing anna lucia a character i'm not that crazy about but it 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 humanizes her because we see that a lot of this anger and pain is because of things that were happening and she was trying to save kids she was trying to keep people alive now that's what actually ultimately what i I wanted to ask you at the conclusion of this episode was whether or not this episode changes your opinion of Anna Lucia as a character. um, Because I know you're not crazy about her. It makes me like her. It makes me realize there's good in her. Mm -hmm. Not that I ever thought there wasn't, but but that there's a good person there. But she's still just the same strong-minded, stubborn controlling person that she is in the other episodes like it it it, it builds to that same well, place it's it, oh go ahead go ahead i mean maybe maybe we should wait till we get to because there is one moment that shows some real vulnerability in this i what i what i really like <laughs> thinking about her in terms of this episode is sort of a yin and yang with jack um you know he wakes up on land she wakes up underwater um, he's a man, she's a woman. It, again, there's a lot of yin and yang with their situations, even though they're very similar characters going through very similar circumstances. Her path is shadowed in a lot more darkness than his. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't mean that in the way that like the smoke monster and like the dynamic between Locke and Jack, because I know there's supposedly a lot of yin and yang there as well. I feel like Anna Lucia was a much better fit for a yin and yang relationship with Jack. And I don't know if that's what they were going for, but it's something I definitely see hints of in this episode a lot. And I I really like thinking about those parallels. I don't know why I, I don't like thinking about it as much with him and Locke, but I like thinking about it a lot with him and her for some reason. Well, there's a little bit more gray area with him and her than, yeah. than him and Locke. And I think that's probably why it's it's interesting to think about. And I'll tell you another thing is interesting to think about because you wonder how much, and I might be tipping my hat to the man in black of this <laughs> episode for me, but you wonder how much there might be some squandered potential with some of these characters. Fair point. Um, so Anna Lucia's on the case. She's dr- she's saving want- people. <gasps> Perfect spinoff idea. Anna Lucia is the cop who works with cases with Detective Kate. <gasps> so 
pretty good. Oh, that's good. I don't know if those two are going to work well together. Though. No, they're not. But, ooh, 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 ooh. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> they would make a better couple than Jack and Kate. I'm just saying. Well, you know what? Maybe. <laughs> um, I would watch the hell out of that show. <laughs> the more and more we talk about Detective Kate, the more and more I want to make it a reality. If there can be a Detective Pikachu, there could be a Detective Kate. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen Detective Pikachu yet, go. It's so cute. So Libby is also helping out on the beach. All our main characters. Dude, Libby's introduction is really, really intense. Snapping a guy's leg. Well, she had a year of med school. So she says. Is that true? I don't remember. (laughs) Because I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, like... I hope what she's saying is true, um, because otherwise, yeah, I, I don't, I don't trust this woman. I trust. I, I'm definitely tipping my hat for a conversation we'll be having way, way, way later down the line. But I'm like, I do not trust Libby. <laughs> I trust Libby about as far as I can throw her. Um, then Echo. He's watching some kids. Echo seems like a friendly fellow. Yeah. He's watching kids, and then he. Puts him in the care of Cindy, the flight attendant, while he goes in because he's going to pull the dead bodies out of the water. A lot yeah. more people ended up in the water than in in on the in the rest of the cabin when it crashed on the other side of the island. Yeah. And he goes and he pulls in all the bodies. Meanwhile, out of the jungle comes a suspiciously dry fellow <laughs> named Goodwin. And by the way, that's a detail I didn't notice at the time. <laughs> not, um, not when, uh, not when this episode first aired. It was only when it gets pointed out later in the episode that yeah. I noticed it. Uh, Goodwin comes and he was like, "Hey, there's somebody here in the jungle." And who's stuck in the jungle? Bernard. Bernard, Bernard is stuck in a, uh, oh, in a, oh in a sea, and it's, it's pretty harrowing, even though we know he must get down, like, Anna Lucia has to kind of talk him through it, how well, he's got to, like, hold on to the branch, this, and he's scared. This, more than anything, show, like, between her doing the CPR and, um, this moment right here, this is the moment where we know for sure, oh yeah, she's a cop, you know, this is absolutely a situation a cop would have experience talking somebody through. Like, yes. hands down, this is so yeah, fantastic. Yeah, she does. She talks him through it step by step, and it saves his life. He yeah. gets gets out of the situation. This could have been, like, um, what was that show like that was on in the 90s, like Rescue 911 or something like yeah. that? I was going to say, this uh, <laughs> This could have been a Rescue 911 moment. So, of course, Bernard, once he's down from the tree, he asks about Rose. No. They can't find Rose. She's not there. He and, checks with Echo, yeah. And Echo says he will pray. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Mr. Echo. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, Bernard is is like, I can't find my wife. And he's like, I will pray for her. Well, what are we supposed to do? Like, when are, when are they going to find us? I will pray for that as well. And it's so funny because we talk about John Locke being the man of faith a lot. Whereas... This is the tail section's man of faith. Yes. Who has an equally messed up backstory. Oh, man. When we get to it. Um, so then night falls. Everybody's asleep. Because it's night. <laughs> and they hear noises. Well, what's happening? 
and they come upon Echo covered in blood, and he's killed others. He's killed two people that were not in the crash. And two people who seem to have been trying to take people away. Uh, uh, who were definitely accosting him. He, and, it was 100% self-defense. And one thing that it's noticed come day two, it was a lot of strong people. They went for a lot of strong people to take away. They were trying to take Echo. Echo's too strong. <laughs> Nobody gets the best of Mr. Echo. But Echo knows more people might be coming. So he does two things. One, he starts making a big stick to beat people with. <laughs> and two, he takes a vow of silence. <laughs> and the vow of silence is clearly some penance that he feels he must pay because he took a life or two lives in this case. The It's interesting. Um, he'll say later in the episode, and we'll, we'll, we'll jump to it then, um, but the amount of time that he chooses to remain silent is significant. And we'll, we'll touch on that when we get to the end. Yeah. Um, so he uh, then basically this discussion, look, there are these nuts out there mm-hmm. who are trying to, who are taking some of us. What do we do? Where do we go? We <laughs> should get off the beach. And other people are like, we should stay on the beach because that's where people are going to... One person specifically says we should stay on the beach. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's the person? Nathan? I have it written down here because it took me... Yeah, Nathan. Because uh, it took me half the episode <laughs> to figure out his name. <laughs> uh, and Nathan's like, we should stay on the beach. But then Cindy's like, eh, we lost communication. They don't know where we are. We're basically fucked. Yeah, so. so we need to keep the fire going. Because, like, that was something that somebody pointed out. They were like, oh, well, we don't need to keep the fire. I think it was Anna Lucia. She's, She's like, like there's a black box. Yeah. There's all this stuff. And, like, no, like, things were more messed up. Um, Basically, Cindy clues them in on what uh, Jack and company had to, like, actually find the pilot to confirm. So then we cut to day three. Mm-hmm. There's the guy who... Libby had snapped his leg back into place. Oh, yeah, he's not doing so hot. His, the infection is getting worse. And as uh, Anna Lucia says, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Cut to day five, bury him. Aww. That's what you're supposed to do. Oh, that's such a, such a, like, devastating cut to black. Like, when, oh, man. Because, yeah, like, you don't have any antibiotics. And as far as you know, the other section of the plane doesn't exist. They, they... Yeah, you would just assume everyone's dead. Yeah. Rightfully so. Just All... like the people uh, on the, the in the pilot assume the tail section people are dead. All you have are whatever, you know, bits of medicine like Advil or Pepto-Bismol or whatever. Whatever people had in their suitcases, if their suitcases are even around. You know, whatever they happen to have in their pockets. That's like all you have as far as medicine goes. And you're not just going to find, a, you know, a slew of antibiotics on a commercial flight. That's just not a thing that you have access to. Um, so they bury the sky on day five. Then on day seven, they chase a chicken around. Yeah, and then they get fried chicken. It's like uh, it's like in uh, Rocky 2 when Mickey's <laughs> like, you got to catch this chicken and then rocky goes i feel like a kentucky fried idiot 
<laughs> Goodwin's pretty good at catching them, though. Yeah, Goodwin's good at a lot of things. Oh, he's so good, but he's like, oh, but like kids your age wouldn't understand. He's like, look at me, I can make a fire because I was in the Peace Corps. Oh, but but a, a young lady like yourself, I'm surprised you even know what that is. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the other's like cover story, Peace Corps. <laughs> how do I know how to do things, Peace Corps? Peace Corps. Not that I haven't lived on this island most of my life. <laughs> um, so they're chasing a chicken around. Yeah, they get chicken. Echo, still not talking. Day 12, Anna Lucia is starting to get really controlling. And this is the thing. Like, here's the difference between her and Jack in the leadership roles. Both of them kind of naturally filled leadership positions. Just based on their professions. But Jack is a reluctant leader. Mm-hmm. Where Anna Lucia's a little too too controlling of a little, a little too like ready to i'm going to lead these people these people need me to lead them and in one respect that's good you need somebody she definitely has the skill set to lead people but also you know she's giving people shit about taking a shit she's giving nathan a hard time because he like went to the bathroom by himself and she's like we got a system for this but, you know, sometimes somebody wants to take a shit by themselves. I'm not going to necessarily debate with you because they are more controlling. I'm going to I'm going to basically chop this up to difference in their careers and the difference in circumstance, um, because a doctor's career is surmised in do no harm. Yes. Whereas a police officer's career is to protect, protect and, and serve. serve. Very similar yet different again oh. two halves of the same hole if you were <laughs> <laughs> i um i, I mean sides no. of the same coin no her behavior makes perfect sense for the character but it's also well, like i would i would be mad at this woman too however again i'm i'm gonna come to anna lucia's defense on this one they've already been attacked They've already been attacked. Echo had to kill a couple people, and they've lost more people at this point than Jack and company. Like, their circumstances are similar enough, but different. And I don't blame Anna Lucia in any regard. And she's, as a profession, she has a, I don't remember her exact backstory. I know we'll get to it eventually. And I know that she did some shit in her backstory that doesn't necessarily paint her in the best light. I wish I could remember what it was, uh, but that's not in relevant context. Um, what we know about her is that she's a cop, and so a cop being in a position of authority is naturally going to take charge in a moment like this. And I talked a little bit about it a couple episodes ago in terms of a lot of times women in positions of authority, particularly, you know, being a cop, a lot of times people don't respect that authority. Yeah. You, so I could definitely see her being used to, I don't know. Have, a, a, go ahead. Having to turn it to 11. Having to turn it to 11, not only because she's a woman in a position of authority where people often aren't going to respect it, but also there's a little bit in the subtext too. She's a woman of color and this is a white guy who's not listening to her. She 
ultimately is right because they are in a very dangerous circumstance where they're being watched and they just don't know that there's a plant yet. Like, they are being picked off by the others. She has every reason to insist on a safety protocol. And this guy has taken every opportunity he can to undermine her authority because he's a little shit. And there's there's yeah, but I mean, but what? But I mean, what authority really? She's not really a cop on the. She's not like Island. She's not like the Island. I would also watch Island Police. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she plays Island Police. She locks people up. But who gave her that? I mean, there was no election here. (laughs) Who died and put her in charge? Yeah, exactly. And I understand why she she is filling this like power vacuum. But that doesn't also mean that like. I mean, he's an adult. If he wants to go take a shit by himself, like, maybe it's not the best thing to do. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to be the guy who had to go take watch him take a shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, it's, it's a deliberate thing. She has laid out protocol to keep everybody safe, and he's deliberately ignoring what she's saying and she's not doing it to be like i'm queen of the castle what she's not doing it to be like i'm ricked at least not at first she's not being like this is a rictatorship you know this isn't a democracy she's not like season three rick in this exact moment but she's laid out a protocol to keep everybody safe which is what cops do she's laid out a protocol because she's a cop (laughs) because she's a cop and i get it She's mean. I get it. She's bossy. But again, there's a lot to the subtext here of her being a woman of color and this guy being a white guy completely dismissing her. Do you think that subtext played the same way in 2005? If you're a woman of color, it definitely did. Okay. It it does it does today. But 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 you know what I mean? Like it's 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 interesting. Like would we even 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 if that's the case. I feel like it was this, probably this is, more subtextual it, back then. And this is yeah, and this is what's interesting about revisiting the series now mm-hmm. and revisiting any piece of media now. Uh, is that you yeah. now have these discussions about it? Because we were we were talking about how you know there was a gay joke a couple episodes ago, and we were talking about how like well that doesn't really play well anymore. Yeah, and I uh, yeah a gay joke that's, at Sawyer's that's expense. Not, yeah, that's not acceptable. Made anymore. by Anna Lucia, and it, I believe. And again, it shouldn't be acceptable. It wasn't. It shouldn't have been acceptable then, and it's not acceptable now. So hopefully, we're getting better. Now, uh, yeah. Look, I'm just saying. No, no, no. Again, you don't have to like her. I'm just going to bat for her because I get where she... I, I feel a lot more empathy towards her than you do. I've already mentioned. And I'm, here's the other I'm thing. super biased towards and, Michelle Rodriguez. And here's the other thing, though. I'm also looking at this, <laughs> and when you watch this episode, you have the hindsight of, like... Where she, she ends up. She shoots Shannon. She unjustly, at times, abuses our beloved, like... Michael and Jin and and Sawyer, uh, you know. So, granted, when if I saw this episode mm-hmm. without having seen the first six episodes of the season, I might be like, "Yeah, listen to her." Yeah, you tell him, Anna Lucia. Yeah, like, you go, girl. <laughs> yeah, why are you going to take a shit by yourself? That's ridiculous. But I'm not watching it that way. 
and I'm watching this and I'm bringing certain Anna Lucia baggage to a moment like this where, where I'm maybe making the moment bigger than it would be if we were living in reality. <laughs> but also, I'm looking at this guy, Nathan, and you know those guys. You know those guys who, no matter what the circumstances are, they're gonna make it worse by being entitled jerks. Like, by being like, ah, you can't well, tell me what to do. I, well, I, I do what don't, I want. I, also, I don't think he's being malicious, but he's being annoying. Well, I mean, I would argue maybe you should have more sympathy for someone who just wants to go to the bathroom by themselves. <laughs> like, I mean, in all honesty... Like that's, I mean, that's the thing he's he's fighting about here. It's not like he's fighting about. I didn't want to bring someone with me when I had to take a dump. It's, like that's, I I don't think that's being entitled. <laughs> I think that's a reasonable thing to think. I'm just gonna if this was take oh, a shit. And, sorry, and I hit the mic. Yeah. <laughs> if this was an isolated incident, you would be absolutely right. But again, we're not looking at this in a vacuum. We're looking at the entire 48 days. And I, I think it's hilarious that we're fighting about this because, because <laughs> this he, he challenges her on them needing to move from the beach. And then later, he straight up throws his bag down and says, here's as good a place as any. And I, I tend, again, I'm okay, siding more with Anna Lucia I mean, on this guy. That's... that's that's a dick move throwing the bag down be like let's just stop here yeah, yeah and, but, and we're but then everybody seeing... but everybody agrees with him when he does that everybody agrees that like <laughs> we should do here because i think all of them are a little circa anna lucia this is one thing where he's not the bad guy here but it's very very easy to see how he ends up getting mistaken as one of the others okay. given all given his opposition to anna lucia's authority Okay, so that night, we're still on day 12 of, of 48. <laughs> what do you, I'm just picturing the Island Cop AU where Mr. Echo is her sergeant, and he's like, you're a loose cannon, Anna Lucia. <laughs> I mean, she is a loose cannon. Well, we're going to get into some other shit she does. Give me your badge. You're off the force. You're suspended. <laughs> we're going to get some other shit she does that just isn't right. So... um. That night, the others show up again. Mm-hmm. And Lucia gets a jump on one of them. Kills them. They take the kids. Yeah, they do. But Anna kills one. And there's a list. And there are nine names on the list. Ooh. What's going on? And they've been taking these people. And this whole time, I'm thinking, what's Goodwin thinking? What's he thinking during this? Because Goodwin knows. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. damn I mean, it. Sh- they're, I mean, they're losing. Like, these are people Goodwin, like, lives and works with. And He's they're getting like, murdered. Oh, man. And for, like, what? Book club is going to be real awkward next Thursday. <laughs> and it's like, for what purpose? Like, yeah. for what purpose is this really? And I wondered if Goodwin even questions his undying loyalty to the others in moments like this. Um... Because, yeah, he has, like, no reaction when he sees them die. Anna yells at Echo because Echo won't talk. (laughs) Say something! And he's like, no, it's not dramatically appropriate for me to do so yet. And she's starting to get suspicious of Nathan. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I will say, I, I recognize the actor who plays Nathan. I believe he was on a sitcom in the early 2000s called Ed. 
Um, I might be misremembering that, but do you think I like he this... was Ed? No, he no, wasn't no. Ed. He was not Ed. He was not Ed. He was one of Ed's friends. Um, I, I might be misremembering, um, but I like this actor playing Nathan. So I'm I'm bummed out that I'm like, oh no, he's gonna die. <laughs> so then day fifteen comes. They're finally they're marching into the jungle. Gotta get off that beach, and then Nathan does his little. We're gonna stay here. And they're like, yeah, let's all just stay here. <laughs> I mean, they had to pick a spot. Anyway, here's where we're going to get to stuff where I want you to defend Anna Lucia. <laughs> okay. So on day 17, what's Anna doing? She's building herself a little prison. <laughs> digging a hole. I love like, hey, uh, what, do you, what do you think about this? And she's like, why do you think I'm digging this hole? It reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where Bart is just digging a hole yes. for no reason. And, like, ultimately, it has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Yeah. He's just, like, just digging. <laughs> then on day 19, she immediately kicks Nathan in the face. <laughs> like, so, he's like, okay. oh, hey, Anna. Boom. Yeah. So here's the thing. Good morning, sunshine. I don't see. What a beautiful day. I don't see where this is justified she has made herself like like judge and jury at this point she's just gonna kick this guy in the face who she doesn't like he might be a pain in the ass guy doesn't serve to get kicked in the face and thrown in a prison there's no discussion about this there's no like let's all confront nathan let's get to the bottom of this this is like no i am taking charge and that's what i have a problem with you're not you're you're not the god of the island. You're not well, Jacob. Here's here's the thing. Uh, again, I'm gonna go to bat for Anna Lucia. You talk about like who who died and made you queen of the island. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not hashtag not my like, queen. If I was like someone else and saw her do this, I'd have a big problem with it. Of course. Here's the thing, though. Think about our 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 crew on the other side of the island. Who are Jacob's candidates for? You know, in terms of, like, bestowing the island to. Um, we have Jack, the doctor. Locke, who has a very specific set of skills. You know, he he was wheelchair-bound for a long time, but he's also really, really capable. We have, Don't tell him what he can't do. Don't tell him what he can't do. We have... A former communications officer from the Iraqi army. Yeah. We have, um, oh gosh, uh, we have like a, a very, very, very smart con man who's not necessarily, who's, I, I would actually say, yeah, pretty book smart because he's always reading. We have a lot. Of, and you've we, got a detective. We have a detective. We have a lot of really, really capable take charge people on the island and part of jack's reluctance is that there are in fact candidates who might be better suited in certain circumstances to lead the group as a whole that's one of the reasons why he's so reluctant to take charge is one it's a lot of responsibility to put on one peop one person and everybody sort of just naturally keeps turning to him anyway um but two if something were to happen to him, yeah, they'd be out a doctor, but they wouldn't be out a leader. With Anna Lucia's group, we have a clinical psychologist, a flight attendant. Uh, what does Bernard do? He's a husband. <laughs> a 
a stay-at-home husband. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't remember his profession. <laughs> a stay-at-home husband, a member of the Peace Corps, but we sort of have to eliminate him because he's not actually a member of their crew. <laughs> and we have a priest, wink, yeah, who has decided to not talk anymore. Yeah, he can't Anna, lead if he's not speaking. Anna Lucia had to take charge because nobody else was qualified. And I'm not I'm not trying to diminish anybody else's contributions, but nobody else in their group was qualified. But except I'm for Mr. Echo, and he stopped talking. I'm he didn't s- want to fill that role. I'm saying she should go to Echo in Libya and be like, "Oh, what? And talk at a wall? <laughs> he's not even nodding or shaking his head at her. He's not. Well, Libby, he's not responding Libby, at all. Libby Bernard Goodwin, who she doesn't know. Is a is an the other, although problem, she might be suspecting. The things. problem is, is that they're all, quote, they're all good people. They're all good people, and as no, we'll find out Anna later, Anna Lucia is not. She is, but she, as she's also kind of a dirty cop, and sad. Like if I'm remembering correctly, sadly, again, nobody's going to be willing to do quote unquote what's necessary. To get results, I'm not, look, look, I'm not defending torture. I do just want to point out, though, that Saeed and Jack jumped to torture. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe not and throw I, stones at glass houses. And and I think we had a problem that they did that. Uh, the, the, we, the difference is, at that point, we had the benefit well, of getting to know them for about 10 episodes and know well, that this isn't who they really are. Ultimately, the thing, as as you pointed out, Ultimately, I think the thing where she made it up her mind that she needed to be a hard person was losing those kids. At one point, she says, I promised that little girl I was going to get her home. That's the point. There's a line in one of the Game of Thrones books where, um, like, Jon Snow feels like he has to kill the boy in order to, to become the man. Uh, at one point, and he he orders somebody to be killed as a result of that. And it's basically he, in that moment, had to, like, kill his heart and kill his innocence. And I, I'm not defending his choice in that book, but that's a thing that happened in book, f- early in book five. I don't know. Um, I, but If it's what I think it is, I'm fine with him killing that kid. I, <laughs> not, not a kid. It was a, it was a grown man in the book. I don't know. It's been. I never finished book five because I got bored. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, but when those kids got kidnapped, I believe Anna Lucia kind of killed her heart for a little bit. Not. That's not to say that she was devoid of feeling or that she's incapable, well, incapable of admit, love though, moving she's forward. She's acting unnecessarily paranoid. I mean, a lot she's of, doing a lot of like. I didn't see you on the plane. I don't see half the people I'm on a plane with. Like it's a it's a bullshit question. Gonna, she's again, trying to get him to slip up. She's trying. I get what she's doing. She's trying to uh, interrogate him, trying to get him to to split up. He's telling her about this retreat he went on with the company. You know. It, I'm I'm just saying. I given how much given her her decision to be like to basically turn to a heart of stone in the current circumstances that she has, given her failure to protect the kids, and the fact that nobody else there is kind of qualified to take charge of the situation, and no one there is going to support her 
I think she's got Libby and she's got Bernard, but let's be honest, nobody's going to support her when it comes to making hard decisions. So I understand her appointing herself judge, jury, and executioner. Does that make it right? Probably not. And especially given that Nathan's innocent. Yes. However, what choice did she have? Just to sit around and wait for more people to get picked off and killed? Again, as a cop, she has to protect and serve. And without any backup, without any resources, she's doing what she has to, what she feels she has to do to preemptively protect the people yeah, but under you wouldn't, her charge. Well, you wouldn't stand that for, a, I mean, now we're bringing reality into this <laughs> thing, but you wouldn't stand for that if a real cop was doing this. No. <laughs> You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. Wait, wait like, a minute. Is there jurisdiction island? Yeah. <laughs> is there jurisdiction magical island? Well, because well, I can't police what's going on on the magical island. That's not my jurisdiction. Well, cut, I, I don't cut. I, I don't mean to, like, harp on this. But like I said, I'm going to go to bat for Anna Lucia. I, I'm not defending her. I, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I understand. Cut to day 23. She's still asking where the kids are. He's not answering. Why? Because you don't fucking know. <laughs> um, she but gets somebody's been someone's him. given him food. You know why? Because you know you gotta feed people. I I think it's funny that we never find out who it is. I think that that's kind of cool that that's sort of. I think the implication is that it's Goodwin, but um, but we don't know. It could be Bernard. It could be Libby. It could be Cindy. It could be anyone. And we never find out. Um, and there's this thing of, like, you know, we shouldn't let him go. And she's like, no, I'm going to cut off his finger. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's Goodwin saying, hey, we should we should let him go. Yeah. And then cut to that night. Goodwin is letting him out because, like, oh, she's going to cut off the finger. We better let she, you out. She's going to cut off his finger. She's going to find out he doesn't know anything. Yeah, because once he gets to this extreme, so at first it seems like he's like, here, I'm letting you free, run off. Here's some food, you know, go but, go take care of yourself, go live your life. But yeah, it becomes the thing of, he knows he's she's about to torture this guy to the point of, he's she's going to realize, oh, I guess he didn't know anything. Uh, although I don't know if she would have thought that. I think she would have just kept torturing him <laughs> brutally. And uh, she inside. I mean, it's a re- it's turned into Lord of the Flies here. Like this is Very something quickly. they would do to like in Lord of the Flies. Again, I look at Saeed. <laughs> he hadn't been stopped. <laughs> um, uh, I don't. Here's the question: How far would Saeed have gone torturing Sawyer? Saeed was a professional torturer, at least. <laughs> I don't see he's not a professional torturer. She's like, I'll figure it out. I'm a quick learner. Um, but then Goodwin breaks Nathan's neck and kills him because Goodwin's the mm-hmm. other. So then we get to day 24. He's gone. He's on the move. Where's Nathan? And we'll see not happy. Nope. <laughs> Cut to day 26. They're back on the beach. <laughs> That's literally all the note I have. I don't remember what else happened. I just wrote 26. Back to the beach. Well, <laughs> that was nice while it lasted. Day 27, they find the hatch. An echo goes in. And inside, we see on the inside of the hatch door, quarantine. Mm-hmm. Again. Um, 
It's the arrow. That's the this hatch. We see the Dharma logo. Uh, we find a few things. Yeah. We find a glass eye. <laughs> Dare I say pirate booty? We find a radio. Mm-hmm. We find a Bible. There's also electricity in this place. Yeah, there's definitely that distinct humming. Um, and basically they have this radio. And they're like, oh, we should go to higher ground. You know, similar. Which is, I, I was like, wait a minute. Are they going to hear the, the French woman's message? <laughs> I couldn't remember if that was something that they discovered as well. And there's this big thing of like, well, why are they... Like, so they're going to go to higher ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and is like, yeah, we'll both we'll both go. Let's go. She goes with Goodwin, march up the, the mountain hill. This is only about four days since uh, she was going to cut off Nathan's finger. I do love the way this sequence is this, directed. This scene's great. This is incredible. So. The editing... The acting, the cinematography, everything about this moment, like, just is teeming with tension. It's so, so good. Now, we already know Goodwin's bad. Yeah. Because we've also seen him. We know before the episode starts that yeah. Goodwin's bad. We, we know that Goodwin's bad and that he doesn't make it out of this scenario. Yeah. Um, so we go into the situation they sit they're sitting there talking up on the higher ground and she's like ah why do they attack us and he goes you know they took the strongest eh, you're, you're strong good when they didn't take you and and he immediately goes hey let's take a break like whoo i am super out of shape yeah <laughs> and <laughs> sit down and there's this great play with the knife going back and forth. Yeah. While they're, like, eating and stuff. And, and you know. And then she says, like, how'd you find Bernard? And he goes, oh, I heard him yelling. I heard him yelling from the beach. And so, hmm, like, you weren't wet. Now, here's a thing that drives me a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Again, with the Nathan thing. She already had her thoughts about... She wasn't 100% sold on Nathan, but she would have cut off his finger. <laughs> that's... That's like lock level zealotry to commit to something. Like that's I'm not saying that it's right. <laughs> I'm just saying that I understand. Anyway. <laughs> they um Again, I don't hear you harping on Saeed for being a professional torturer. Saeed's probably done a lot worse to people. Who, as we, we know in Saeed's flashback episode, he's tortured people he knew was innocent. Who do you think's a better person, Saeed or Anna Lucia? I love them both. Uh, <laughs> I don't buy it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Honestly? I don't know. They've both done some shit. Saeed seems pretty remorseful, whereas Anna Lucia's kind of still in the middle of... Of the terrible situation, Saeed's kind of out of it at the moment. So you know, ba- he looks back on it and goes, "Oh yeah, that was not great." She's still in the middle of it. Now, I didn't remember everything about the scene, and if you had put a gun to my head, I would have probably guessed that there was a little bit more deniability from Goodwin. But he kind of just is like, he knows when the jig is up. Yeah. And he he's like, well, this is this has been a fun game he, while it lasted. And he says Nathan wasn't a good person, so 
Yeah, points to you. He wasn't a good point. <laughs> well, like he wasn't on the list. The uh, that was the that's the thing is that he he straight up says yeah like we're only taking good people <laughs> and these people and no good Anna Lucia no good Echo no good but he's good. I was gonna say by whose weird standards? I mean Echo by, by Ben's weird standards. Who's Jacobs? Making... <laughs> It's Jacob's list. Is it, though? Ben pretended to see Jacob for a long time. This is all Ben. But man who we haven't got to. Man who doesn't exist yet. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Echo was a warlord. I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. <laughs> okay, who's a worse person, Anna Lucia or the warlord? <laughs> Why are you getting on Anna Lucia's case when she's surrounded by people who are just as damaged? Bernard's a good person. Well, I guess maybe they would have come for Bernard eventually. Would they? Um, but, you know, you know, rest assured, the children are fine. And, I'm just uh, saying I don't trust anything that Ben Linus had his hands in. And then they, then they fight, and of course she impales him with a giant... Stick. Oh, this like I said, this whole sequence is so so it's good. It's really good. Um, so then we cut to big time jump, <laughs> day forty one, and Bernard is using the radio. He picks something up, and who does he pick up? Boone. Mm-hmm. Picking up the signal from Boone was in the cockpit of the About plane. About to die. Yeah. yeah. That was going to kill him. I, I will go ahead and point out that I got called out on Twitter in our initial episode. When we when we talked about Boone's episode, um, where, where this... Or it wasn't Boone's episode. It was Locke's episode, but this thing happened to Boone yeah. in it. When we talked about that, I talked about how the closed captioning on Hulu uh, said, there are no survivors of eight, Flight 815. And we talked about that. We talked about the fact that that was what was in the closed captioning and how that potentially... <laughs> Sorry, there was a crazy noise outside. It was very upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> um, how that potentially fueled the fires of the early purgatory theory that everybody had been dead the whole time, which ultimately turned out not to be true. Um, so, again, that's a discussion for a different day. Um, I got called out on Twitter about how, you know, it's like, no, that's not what was said. That what was actually said was, we are the survivors. And I had to actually take a screen cap of what was, what, you know, the, the subtitles on Hulu to prove in that episode that it said there are no survivors. So I'm wondering if this was always the plan to connect those two moments. I think it probably was at that point late in the first season. And I'm, I'm sure it's just bad. Uh, you know what? I'd be interested it, it, to yeah, see yeah. what the subtitle on my DVD yeah, says. Yeah, because, uh, you know, sometimes when you get those third-party closed captioners, they, they're not always accurate. So, um, yeah, that, that would be interesting to go back and sit down and watch it on the DVD and see and see what the subtitles were there. I'm just pointing out that when we initially talked about it, that was what was... That was the, the viewing experience that I had. So... Like, looking at those two episodes... Like, that's another episode I would love to watch, like, back-to-back with this one. Um, Bernard is justifiably like, hey, this is this 
it's the, from 815, you know? It's and she's like, no, it's the others, blah, blah, blah. And, and she sounds so defeated. And she, But she, she's really defeated because she says, this is our life now. Yeah. So this is our <laughs> life now. Which I say all the time. I guess I live here now. Like, I guess this is my life. Yeah. Like that. I'm, uh, like, yeah, she's, she's feeling pretty defeated. Yeah. I mean, even, but, but see, here's the problem. And here's, and then we'll see a problem. <laughs> Even if, like, like Bernard was like, I think we should investigate this. Like, it's better, we have to do something. She would tell him no and probably take the radio away from him. Like, she would. And I think that's the problem with, because it is a, like you said, it is a rictatorship with her. But... It, 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 it is. It's it's her way or no way, and you see that with. And I'm not saying she doesn't have reason to to be the most qualified to be in charge. I'm not saying she, uh, you know. I'm just has, saying that she's been. They've been bombarded by the others ever since they landed. Ever since they crash landed, and she's taken on that burden, basically solely on her own shoulders. If she had been like Jack, where things weren't as bad from the beginning. And she had had people that she could delegate and rely upon. I mean, they did get attacked their first night. Like, if if circumstances had been different, I feel like... Like, she's always going to be that strong, stubborn person. But if circumstances had been different, she would not be acting in the way that she is. Like... Uh it would it i believe it would be a completely different ball game like if she and jack had traded places maybe he would be the asshole rictatorship person so there'd probably be a few more dead people yeah. <laughs> in our regular cast because she's not a doctor but i'm just saying that like if the situation were reversed if the two of them had been in different in if they had switched seats how would jack be in her shoes. I don't think he would be like this. They might all be dead at that point. Yeah, it might be. He probably would have gotten kidnapped immediately. He probably would have been one of the people to get kidnapped on night one or killed on night one. Yeah. Um, Because a a doctor who's very, very strong, like, he would have immediately been targeted by them. Plus, you know... uh, Ben needs Jack to perform that surgery. <laughs> exactly. Hey. Ben, man who doesn't exist yet. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, I feel a lot more sympathy towards her than uh, than you do, and I fully acknowledge, and it's, here's the thing, it's okay not to like her. It's okay not to like her. I'm not saying that you're wrong for disliking her. It's totally fine. Well, you I'm know just what? saying here's this what, is how here's what I feel I don't about her situation. like about her. It's like, oh, you... Like, just these little things you could be doing that just would make you, like, you could still be in charge. But, like, it's not that she's in charge. It's not that she's decided to become the de facto leader. It's not that she argues her point. It's that she's kind of a dick about it. <laughs> so, anyway, she goes off. And she has a, her, a good cry. This was awesome. This was a good this scene. This is amazing yeah. performance And this is Rodriguez. this is where really, like, we see that other side of Anna Lucia that we haven't seen because before or after. Because she's been, you know, whether or not you agree with her leadership style, she's been the rock that this group has relied upon. 
Um, and so this moment of vulnerability happens, and this is when Echo chooses to speak. And Echo comes back. Well, it's been 40 days. <laughs> what Now, the significance with that is that, obviously, he's a man of faith. Yeah. Um, there is significance in the number 40. And that is that 40 days is the number of days that Jesus wandered through the desert in preparation of his death. That's why um, people in the Catholic or other other Christian faiths um, participate in Lent. Lent. Yes, that's where you you fast. You make a for sacrifice. 40, yeah, you make a sacrifice for forty days in preparation for Easter. And so I thought it was. I didn't think it was a coincidence that he silenced himself specifically for forty days. Yeah, it's very significant. And then he says, "You you waited forty days to cry," which I think is a great line. Yeah. He also tells her that everything's going to be okay spoiler alert it's not not. (laughs) lies (laughs) yeah and now here's the thing i know he was punishing himself i know he was trying to atone but i genuinely think if he had hadn't been punishing himself she might not have gone to the drastic measures that she went to Because, because she didn't have anyone to confide in and he's also the uh He's another figure that projects authority. Like, again, warlord. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which is, like, I don't think he put that on his resume, per se. But, yeah, they they both have leadership qualifications. He could have helped even Even the idea that he's a priest is a leadership position. Um, He could have helped her, and he chose not to. And I know he had his reasons for it, but again, it's one of the reasons why I I take a little bit more sympathy with with her than I than I think you do, and that's again, it's totally fine. Um, day forty five. Ooh. Jin washes ashore. <laughs> they tie him up, question him. Can't speak English, but and this is fair of her point. Like, oh, he's got a broken handcuff. On yeah. Him. And again, as a cop, you're like, what's that about? And eventually Jin gets away from him, runs down to the beach, sees Sawyer and Michael, starts yelling others. And now we see the events that we've seen already. Uh, They lock up Sawyer and Michael and Jin. Uh, They throw Anna Lucia down in the hole. Anna Lucia infiltrates them. Day 46, they let him out of the pit. Day 47, they start walking through the jungle. Day 48. So he gets sick. Yeah. Or wait, wait, am I jumping the gun on that? Eh, 47, 48, he's in bad shape. They have to carry him up that hill while it's <laughs> raining. And Cindy is taken. Yeah. Ah, now Cindy's gone. All of a sudden, they hear the whispers. Whisper, 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 whisper. whisper. <laughs> and then... And they start racing through the jungle. And all of a sudden, something's coming towards them. Anna's Anna a fires. Too, too liberal with that trigger finger. And, again, these cops. And uh, they got to be trained <laughs> not, better. They got to be trained with better. You. I'm not disagreeing with you. That is a real-world fact. Yeah. She would have shot uh, an innocent kid. Oh. Oh, too yeah. real. Too real. Yeah. Oh, um, now I'm sad. <laughs> and, and and Shannon's there. 
shot her. Dead. Lost. I really love this episode. It's a it's a really great episode. I will say that I don't care for the dramatic use of slow motion in the final minutes of this episode to catch us back up to where we left off. I feel like there probably was a better way of going about it. I almost would have preferred a really quick flash montage as opposed to let's slow down with the score going and everything. Yeah, it was it was too much. It was too much for me. Well, <clears throat> this has been a spirited debated episode. <laughs> and again, it's totally fine that you don't like her. I just I oh, yeah. I feel a lot of empathy for her. That's all. Look, no, I'm not saying that there's on some level I don't feel sorry for. Her. I just think it is like who died and made you Jacob. <laughs> like that's I mean that's what I later on Jacob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that, that that's my thing. I, who I, died and made you Island Queen? And you know what she'd say? Dracaris. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, ooh, that's a crossover. That would be a lot of fun. I'll tell you what. Uh, and I'll tell you what, that's a character who I was with to the very end. Um, but we'll get we'll get we'll get onto that uh, on our when, when this is over and we rewatch Game of Thrones from the beginning. Um, Welcome to Game of Thrones uh, biweekly, our podcast within the podcast. Yeah, uh, where we re-examine Game of Thrones now that it's done. <laughs> <laughs> we just put a mini review of each episode of Game of Thrones and mm. at the corner <laughs> yeah. of, our, of No Love Lost. Oh, that'd be funny. So who is your uh, man in black this episode? My man in black, the slow motion at the end. It Like the, the episode was a 10 out of 10 for me up until like minute two of the slow motion thing. And then I'm like, what, what are we I'm- doing? Like, we know what happened. We were in it. We saw. <laughs> I already spoke of some squandered potential I had for these some of these characters. You know, we never really get enough Libby, you know. Uh, and this episode reminded me of that. But you know what? To counterpoint your slow-mo at the end, my Jacob Man in Black's going to be uh, uh, shaky cam at the beginning. <laughs> Too much shaky cam. <laughs> I had shaky cam issues. Just, you got slow-mo issues. Just like Anna Lucia and Jack, it's yin and yang. <laughs> um, What's your Jacob? Now, this is a tough one, again, because this is this, such a stellar episode. There's so many great. There, there are great performances. There's great directing. There's great cinematography. And up until the end, great like editing, too. Like, and as you you pointed out at the beginning of the episode, this breaks up the lost formula. Um, so it was a breath of fresh air. It tried something new, and it it like it really succeeded. So I have a hard time picking a man in white because everything in this episode is so stellar. Yeah, I'm gonna make it a tie. I want to make it a tie between two things. Is that okay? Do it. Um, I want to make it's it a your, tie. It's your podcast. <laughs> I want to make it a tie between. The moment she and Goodwin have their confrontation, and then the moment where she breaks down with Mr. Echo. I, are, I want those, those are, two scenes. Those are the two best scenes of the episode. And by the way, I'm complaining about Anna Lucia. Michelle Rodriguez is phenomenal. She's amazing. Like, that, that's the thing. I'm, 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 and I don't think I should have to say this, but like, 
when you say you dislike a character, it doesn't necessarily mean a you dislike the pe- performance. A lot of people take I dislike this character as being like, oh, the writing's bad or the performance is bad or the actor's a bad person. Those things are not synonymous, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's ridiculous to me that we have to point that out. The performance is great. This episode is exceedingly well written. And Michelle Rodriguez knocks it out of the park as the Since you took the best two scenes. <laughs> Sorry? I'm going to do the Because I could have. You took one. I could have just went with the other. That's why I felt bad doing both of them. Well, because I'm gonna, they're so good. I'm going to say this. And I spent most of the beginning of the episode talking about it. Um... The structure. I'm just going to give the Jacob being the structure because it was just after nearly 30 episodes or about 30 episodes, it was nice to see something break out of that structure. Uh, And it was a reminder that like, oh, they might do stuff like this. They might start taking some chances. And they do for better or worse. Lost can still surprise us. That was the big takeaway from this episode. So, that's it for this week. Megan, <laughs> oh, why don't you tell the people where they uh, can find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where uh, my co-host Katie Cullen and I talk about horror-related things. And I am a member of the Rooster Team podcast group, uh, where we talk about all things sort of Rooster Teeth-related. We wrapped up Red vs. Blue uh, by the time this episode airs, and we're going to be starting Camp Camp's Counselor Corner. So be sure to go and check that out. It's a ton of fun uh, and a must listen if you are a Rooster Teeth fan. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Well Link. <laughs> um, uh, and you can buy my book, Crazy About Kurt. It's terrific. Give it a read. It's you know, it's a it's a book. You should read more. And you should also buy our shirts. Ah, that's correct. <laughs> Megan, why don't you tell people about our t-shirts? If you go to the Podcast Jukebox Network, and, and I'll put a little note at the beginning of the episode, too. If you go to the Podcast Jukebox Network, you can buy a No Love Lost t-shirt or a Crazy About Kurt t-shirt. Oh, they're selling... Wait a second. Ah, I believe so. Oh, that's right. I think... It, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he made a shirt and sent it to me. The head of the podcast. I guess I didn't realize they were for sale. They are. The, who the hell's going to buy that shirt? <laughs> People who read your book and like your book will. Okay. Buy that shirt. <laughs> um, and in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at No Love Lost Pod. And until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me, as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, Yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, And so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcasts put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts 
far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, 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 Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, drinks with God and a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean podcast? Yeah. Will mm-hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert: uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>